So back to an, another week of our decades running podcast with just Oliver and I as it's always been here on Politibabble, hasn't it? Indeed, indeed. Some may say the uh, Rory Stewart and Alistair Campbell of, of mm. Isle of Man political podcasting world. Indeed, yes. It's been you know fascinating discussions we've had, the people we've had on. I can't really remember a time where it wasn't just the two of us. Indeed. Hurrah! Your favourite political podcast, Politibabble, is back for yet another season, filling your ears with political intrigue, an expedition into the unknown things, or maybe unknown things, of politics. I'm Archibald Ellis, and as usual, I'm joined by my always-has-been co-host, Oliver Sykes. That was a rather interesting uh, opening, but I'm sure we're applying some Orwellian state logic here, and has always been Oliver and I on this podcast. Anything else has been put into, uh, is it the Bert, thought the thought hole or whatever it was called? Many, many years since I read 1984. I know Oliver, I think, did it in English literature, so he should be, in theory, <laughs> more clued up on it than I. Well, we'll see about that. We'll see about that. But yeah, we are back. Uh, it's been a little while, but um, I think it's... It's good to take breaks from things sometimes. Not that we needed to take a break, but um, it was just lives got busy, uh, especially for Archie. Uh, but we're back. We'll break, in, Oliver. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're back, but uh, hopefully uh, more ever present in your lives than ever, hopefully. Well, we'll, we'll try and be. Um, yes, we'll be appearing in your telescreens of yours that mm. should be in every home. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so it's... Uh, Great to be back, and once again, uh, we're looking for new guests, we're looking for a wide range of people, and um, yeah, uh, do get in touch with us, but uh, firstly, we, we get on to the topic, and um, if, you if, may, you, if you've yeah. not guessed already, um, but yeah, I'll pass back over to Archie. Well yes, our topic this week is creeping normality, so, you know, it was never acceptable really originally for Oliver and I to both be on the podcast. And now it's become acceptable if we were to apply creeping normality. But obviously, Oliver was always here, so it was always acceptable. But I think it would be a good place probably to start with what is creeping normality. So creeping normality is kind of the process through which a major change that was deemed originally unacceptable Mm. is then, through small steps, becomes acceptable. And it can be accepted as quite normal if it happens through small and often unnoticeable change. So an example can be found in COVID, which I'm sure we'll discuss later, how it went really from, it'd be three weeks to flatten the curb. Then it was to be just mask mandates. Then it was to be circuit breaking lockdowns. Then it was just vaccines for the vulnerable. Then vaccines for all adults. Then vaccines for travel. Mm. And then vaccine passports. And it goes on and on. Um, So I'm sure we'll get to that later. I suppose with that, there was sort of this matter of, acceptance that people just had to go well you know what uh we're just gonna have to do it you know um it's like you know the the whole lockdown so like you said that the, the vaccines and people might have been a bit mm, because even with the whole vaccine thing mm. it's sort of very unclear about uh you know what was really kind of happening and it moved so quickly that people just 
accepted it and it was sort of that uh, thing that people... But it was a very small step Mm. because we saw, for example, with lockdown, it was originally supposed to be like three weeks. Yeah. We'll be fired. Oh, well, what did Trump say? It'll be over by Easter, folks. It's it's just like the war will be over by Christmas. And it almost makes it much more palatable. If you said to people you'd have three years of disruption, effectively, Mm, they would be, okay, I'm not going to partake. That would be kind of the reaction you'd get. And I suppose the... Like, I thought, well, this pandemic compared to other ones mm. has lasted, like, when we got to sort of, what was it, June, sort of July, August 2020, when the Isle of Man had mm. this extraordinary amount of time where COVID was not present to our knowledge and it wasn't really affecting us. And it was like, oh, COVID, that like, hardly existed. Uh, glad we've got that done. But we didn't know that disruption that would still carry on to this day where people are still stu- suffering from it. Um, so it just does go to show that it, it hasn't, you know, thought thoughts back then were, ah, oh, this hasn't lasted long. But the the yeah, the mm. effects of it are are going to continue. Well, I should quite like to apply to Oliver to engage him in a line of questioning to relating to creeping normality in kind of a modus ponens, uh, right. lo- a logic logic puzzle. So it's the uh, so Wrighty's paradox. If that, if if you're listening, you know what it is. <laughs> I don't It'll help. Know. And if Oliver doesn't know what it is, they will soon be discovered. So let's give an example here, Oliver. Would you just to just demonstrate how small things can lead to large things? Would you agree that a million grains of sand is a heap? A million grains. A million of sand. grains of sand is a heap. Um. Prob. Probably, I don't know. Yes care. or no, yes or no. Uh, yes. Yes, a million grains of sand is a heap. Is 999,999 grains of sand a heap? Yes. Is 999,998 grains of sand a heap? Yeah. I won't, this isn't going to go on. Well, uh, no, but I'll, keep, I'll keep on going. Well, imagine it goes down. We whittle down to all the possibilities. Would you say that... Hundred grains of sand is a heap. Um, I'm trying to. This is the whole. The during this, I'm trying to picture a heap. Uh, this amount of, of grains of sand. Hundred hundred grains of sand. That's probably not a lot, is it? Really? But is it still heap? It, yeah. Well, it is. Yeah. So is nine grains of sand a heap? Spoon, well, would you say a spoonful of sugar is a heap? Yes, you would. Yes. Wouldn't you? So would you agree that two grains of sand is a heap? Um, no, like, I don't but think why not? so. I'm trying to think of, like, a terminology that would, like... Uh, but when does it stop becoming a heap? It's when it's not, like, ra- when it's not raised. But you can make three games of sand, would it be heap, then, would you say? Yeah, you're getting very, uh... Would three grains of sand be a heap? I don't know. How long is a piece of string? <laughs> it kind of guns to the point that, in theory, one grain of sand could be a heap because you just take one away, yeah. one away, one yeah, away, yeah, one no, away, no, 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 yeah, and it yeah. all comes down to this, 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 this conclusion that one grain of sand is a heap. But would you call one grain of sand just take it away from this argument? Would you call one grain of sand a heap? No, because it's a grain of sand. But would you call two grains of sand a heap? You, uh, probably not. Yeah, probably or not. three? Probably not. Four? Yeah, probably it's not. The, it's, the, it's the accumulation. It's the accumulation. It, yeah. Yes. Because it all goes so quickly, we then 
suddenly, I unfortunately don't have time to play this out, and I would probably make Oliver play out from a million grains of sand down to one grain of sand, but we don't have, <laughs> I think, the time on this podcast. No. Uh, we don't have that many hours or uh, hours of podcasting time. But it's kind of this accumulation effect shows, I think, the creeping normality in more of an abstract form. Mm. And suddenly we get from being a million grains of sand, which we were very, very certain, at least I would be very, very certain, a million grains of sand is a heap, to suddenly 10 grains of sand, which yeah. in theory, logically following, it would still be a heap. There's no real distinction of where we draw these arbitrary lines. And obviously we could sort of draw a table and say, well, when it's below 500 grains of sand, it's no longer a heap. But then what makes it any difference between 500.1 grains of sand or 499.99 grains of sand? There's not much difference between the two, so it might as well be a heap. Yeah. As this incremental form, it's an incremental movement that seems so insignificant that suddenly you get down to nothing very quickly. And a similar thing could be seen in, I think there's an argument by social scientists of why the Eastern Islanders would would accidentally cut down their last tree because the effects of deforestation suddenly it was just one tree mm. and then it's another tree and there's another tree and before you know it the whole forest is gone yeah mm. it's quite it's quite uh com- it's actually quite a common uh common thing within our society and what we think about day to day we just don't necessarily put the name well it's just also names, names to creeping normal, well you normal, see it in uh, like normality. um in sort of food as well don't you sort of mm. like uh you know bar of chocolate or you know one square it won't hurt and then before you know the whole packet's gone the whole packet's gone and yeah. it's that thing you and then you feel the effects afterwards yes. don't you you know oof, gosh quite full there that's a good, good analogy i think with a bar of chocolate yeah yes. oh yes yeah uh, probably easier to imagine than the heap of sand yeah, yeah. um but yeah so there's many different names for creeping normality an example mm. could be maybe gradualism yeah is another one and it, usually there's a lot of talk about the moment on certain circles about it for maybe forming a deep state and the state having more control by gradually mm. gaining this control maybe to an authoritarian matter. And Oliver and I were talking about earlier how you saw it on uh, our favourite news channel, GB News. Well, c- certainly your favourite news channel. Not <laughs> it's certainly not mine. It's yeah. not yours. No, no, no. no, no. no. I, yeah. I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting one, to one, wa- one to watch. Yeah. And I just think that the whole... yeah. It's totally uh, biased, isn't it? Um, mm. And that's that's the thing that makes it entertaining to watch because you see the presenters on there, and it's just got a totally different. Well, I wouldn't say it's totally biased. They do have it. Um, it, it is, I suppose, more biased on the right. Yeah, because that was the reason it was set up, almost to be a UK version of Fox News. But there mm. is still disagreement within the presenters. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Because they do. They're not the but same person. I just think, yeah. Mm. It's like the Guardian it's... for the right wing. Yeah, actually, no, that'd be the Mail. Yeah, uh, yes. Mm. But uh, I'll come down to. Have you heard of the analogy about? Paul, bo- I, uh, mm. one thing on Thanks. that, I have actually watched it, and for a for a show that's like it, it apart from the sort of bias of mm. it, it does still provide you well informed on political matters. No, it is. Um, they, it is done yeah, pretty well. No, they mm. they cover some some great topics, and compared to other. News shows because it's because it's unlike the BBC or Sky News and stuff where there's always that international outlook and mm. everything. Of course, they'll be covering uh, you know um, like the invasion of the Ukraine and stuff like that. But it, there's a real focus on sort of the 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 UK political issues kind of thing. So it's mm. it's great for a 
someone like me who's a, a politics student to really mm. get your examples from it. Well, I, like quite, I quite like Tom Hard, Hardwood, I think. Yeah. Yes. No, What's good. the other chap? Uh, I've forgotten the other chap's name. I'll have to. I'll, I'll, I'll look him up now. Oh, wait, anyway, have you heard of the uh, analogy for um, not, more, more, of a, more of a thought problem of the boiling frog in water? I think that is that, is that the one? Yes, the boiling frog in water is usually used as a sort of saying. Mm. I haven't heard of that, no. But, you know when you put a boiling frog in water, if it's in cold water and you gradually boil it up, it won't jump out? Uh, no. Have you not come across that? <laughs> no, oh, I'm surprised. Not, no. Anyway, listeners, you may have come across the boiling frog in water. It is, a, it is a saying, quite a famous one. But in fact, it's actually a false saying. Because although it, it does try to demonstrate this sort of gradual change and creeping normality because the water gets ever so slightly warmer and the frog doesn't apparently notice it, it is actually, it has now been proven in modern science, mm. contrary to the old maybe medieval science of Victorian science, that the frog will actually jump out. So it's almost a moot example. Uh, Zug, I think, is a, was a Harvard biologist in 95, and he said if the frog has a means of getting out, it will get out. And he did some experiments on the frogs. Uh, and Melton also said, if you put a frog in boiling water, it won't jump out, it will die, because obviously it's boiling, but if you put it in cold water, it will jump out before it gets too hot, it won't sit still for you. Uh, but we now turn to a real-life example of COVID, which we touched on uh, at the introduction to mm. this, pro- uh, this ep- podcast. So it's almost a very, very clear example of what creeping normality is in our society. I think it's become almost very noticeable from all of us. And we don't really, we now don't really question having maybe have, to, some of us still do, I still do, maybe having to have a vaccine to travel. You yeah. know, sometimes we've asked to put a mask on, we just sort of comply. Mm. Um, and it's almost this gradualism that's become more part of our lives. I think a more pertinent example could probably be found in China, where they still pursue a zero COVID policy. Yeah. And the citizens now have to accept that sometimes they'll be put in 14-day mandatory state quarantine nuts isn't it and it's i suppose mental. the best thing with the isle of man mm. now is, is that freedom of choice you know mm. of whether you want to put on a mask you can if you want to have your jabs you can you don't have to if you want to isolate you can you don't have to um but i suppose the only thing is is from then if you are isolating is the support isn't there financially like it was um you can only claim like mm. the... the working person's benefit yeah it's called mm. yeah but um no it that it, it does show how things progress. Would you and... say your life's still been affected by COVID? Or if I was to use a different pronunciation, um, I've heard COVID have been used as a pronunciation as well. COVID? I COVID, yes. Been used. I think I've heard I've that heard as it, well. I've heard it, yes. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who or where or why, but um, yeah, COVID. Um, yeah, I mean, not much has changed really. Not much will have changed really because I doubt I would be doing much different, to be honest. Oliver uh, didn't pay attention to those regulations. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, of course yes. I did. But um, mm. no, I think I'd just still be doing the same kind of stuff now. Whether I'd be on this podcast, who knows? You ah, know, that yes. is one thing. This is, this um, is the uh, the creeping normality has made this podcast yeah. a giant part of our lives. Uh, but. There was a really, there was interesting, when I was doing the reading for this, there's an interesting uh, policy paper I read, which I would recommend if you want further reading, so you can uh, grab your pencil and a pad and and write it down. It's Capano Howlett Jarvis Ramesh, uh, uh, 2022 January. Uh, The long-term policy impacts of the coronavirus, normalisation, adaptation and acceleration in the post-COVID state. 
Policy and Society, Volume 42, Issue 1, uh, pages 1 to, six, 1 to 12. It's just an interesting paper I yeah. read. And it's almost, it's almost, this is almost a war event. It's not sort of a short-term, uh, maybe financial instability, maybe after, for example, 08 or a short-term maybe fluctuation in the stock market or a bit of an oil crisis. It's almost a, one of those large generational scale events mm. where we almost it's had such a large impact for a number of years that it will inform policy decisions. It's similar can be seen probably after World War Two yeah. with the change in social attitudes and maybe the implementation after World War Two, for example, of the NHS, more of a nanny state, as I like to call it. Yeah. So do you sort of believe that the way things are going at the moment is that they're, I don't know, because I, I doubt that, that, you know, the, the, the big um, corporations and the people, you know, with the, with the, with the money really want this to happen. Um, or do they? But, there's a, there's, a know, lot of, there's lots of, again, there was a interesting proponent. Oh, where, but, but, was but surely all, all this sort of uh, struggle that people are going through are more likely you know, coming up to future elections and stuff to vote for, you know, um, f- for for potentially, you know, obviously we'll, we'll be coming on to this later with uh, obviously looking at the Tory leadership candidates. But uh, where where is it going to go for, for the next general election? Are people going, I mean, we're a while off and wh- whether the sort of current um, cost of living crisis uh, will have been tackled by then and what will have happened. But are people more likely to vote sort of Labour way or, you know, who knows kind of thing for a, for a well, government that It, it, really, it really depends on the next two years again yeah. who, who wins the yeah. leadership election, which will come but, on but, to. But, but don't you... So, so what I'm sort of asking is, is kind of like the way things are going, do you not sort of see that we're sort of... The, the reason with the, with the cost of living crisis is sort of bending us to more left wing kind of pushing us sort of to the, to the left a bit, do you, do you feel? Well, I think well the cost of living crisis itself has almost been, I would, I would describe it as creeping normality with the prices yeah. because they've ever, they've, they, they just, they, they slowly incrementally rise and then we think suddenly how on earth has, for example, diesel on the island, if you're in the UK, it'll be, it's even more expensive. It's ridiculous. I remember at the start of the year, almost, that diesel was sitting around 120-ish, above 126. Was it? Yeah. it was sitting quite low at the start of, because before the war with the Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, crude crude Brent was only about again. $50 a barrel. It's going to be going up Brent. again now because Russia's cut off the again. supply again well, to that, Germany. That's gas. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah but, but still, we're looking but at... It still uh, hits the market. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and now it's suddenly 190. And in that space of time, you don't really notice it. But now when I think back, I remember when diesel was like 103, 104 mm. pence for a litre of diesel. And now it's hit 190. And 190.9 or 191.9 was the price I saw yesterday. Yeah. So this is, again, another example where it's it's quite it's quite damaging and almost yeah. to the individual because we don't, we don't always remember how, why. Wait, no. We don't say no, what, no, what's no. happening. No, no. We don't protest. We don't say... But why is our price going up? It should not be going up so And it, I feel like it's the same with a lot mm. of other things as well. You've only got to look at food and, you know, for example, like uh, certain retailers, like, I don't know, in hospitality or mm. coffee shops. You know, I think McDonald's, they're putting up their prices for the first time in how many years. But I suppose that will be to some people. I mean, on the Isle of Man, I think the price is a bit different because of the... 
the, the I don't know. I don't. Yeah, of <laughs> I don't course, go, of course. So yes. But the 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 um, the VAT. So you know, the Alaman we're used to paying a little bit extra for things because mm. we, you know, they pay the VAT on top. But like, for example, with like Costa, every so often, I mean, there's a particular drink that I get from there, which is like. Um, Oh, the like the, the they're not the frappe kind of things. They were called the frostito kind of things. Not with coffee. I'm not a coffee person really. I like coffee flavored food. I'm going off on a tangent here, but that used to be mm. about three eighty five or whatever for a medium one. Probably a bit less now. It's up to about four pounds twenty five. But they they, but they, 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 do they this, jump it so gradually. You don't. What they've this. done. So what they've done. They've changed pretty much same mm. drink. Different apparently different base and everything that they use, but they've changed the name, changed everything, and that is what's. They've probably not even thought about, well, we're going to change the name, but we're going to do that because we're changing the price. So, right, if we're going to change the price, we can't just hike it up to this. We've got to give the drink a bit of a change. Probably costs a lot less, but it's but they're making more money from it. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it will entice people to go and buy it, and then people are sort of, it's their go-to kind of drink kind of thing. But again, that's kind of an example of this creeping normality. And then suddenly we go, oh, my goodness, I'm paying X amount for this, and you know things have been gradually increasing. But it comes on to our next point of almost what if anything we can do can we do to ensure that yeah. we're not being coerced in the wrong direction? Yeah, and it there's there it's, it's a very very difficult thing because we almost have to resist again. Creeping normalities become the term because most people don't remember what happened. We don't. We we almost we 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 all do the same. We suddenly realise almost when it's too late. Yeah. And it's not been a recent thing. As a for an example, uh, I could put an example of wokeism. I would do another episode on wokeism where I will actually hopefully define wokeism as a term. But it's not just been as some may think the past five ten years. No. It's been a few hundred years gradually moving towards this direction, and it's so gradual change. That it entirely is becoming so late. The Overton window entirely shifts. And it's this creeping normality that can almost change society. And it's the, almost the way in which you enact societal change is by moving things extraordinarily slowly, very, very gradually, so people don't even notice it's happening. Mm. And I argue it can be, in some cases, somewhat dangerous. In some ways, it can be somewhat helpful. It's kind of mm. like the Isle of Man at the moment. If you kind of think about it with this new, you know, economic strategy, the Isle of Man has lived, ooh, like this, you know, um, the Isle of Man has not changed much in the past, I don't know how many, you know, basically since I've been born, like, there's not been much no. change. But now, crikey, they're looking to completely change the face of it. And that is kind of... Um, the, the opposite of creeping normality. You know, the Alaman is, we've had gradual changes, for example, you know, recently the implementation of KFC in a drive through Starbucks. That is that gradual kind of adding things in here and there to try and change the the the, the, the way we kind of mm. live and, and stuff. But I think we... But now with the, mm. you know, wanting to change uh, and boost the population, things are going to have to change a lot more quickly. Um, but, it, the but the problem the is we, we'll we, we, we spend money far too quickly and with mm. too much frivolity. We, we're not very... We, I don't think the and in that sense, we don't do... Management. Yeah, and that, for that sense as well, like... We're just, we in, we're just in a good time for the economy. Mm. But you look back, for example, the 70s, the 80s, well, the we I, I, that, I was relatively yeah. poor in that I regard. mean, you know, coming out of 
uh, sort of COVID and everything, and like like Arch says, the big spending projects and stuff like this, instead of just regular maintenance of things, we don't do that. Mm. We do, ah, we've got to do all this. You know what I mean? Which almost, we should be using creeping normality here. Yeah. This is a, an yeah, example yeah. where we want it to be seen. Yeah. Uh, and used. But in the sense of mm. a lot of things on the Isle of Man, um, you know, sort of on a retail kind of basis, we always are going through that creeping normality because, oh, a couple of new shops added here, a couple of new there. This this um, new, uh, what are they called? Industrial estates or mm. whatever. Um, and these, these things will pop up. Pop but up. I think it's also... But we don't have mm. a massive influx. No, it's, um, but then we forget, we forget what things happen. So it's almost one of the ideas where we can almost combat this idea of creeping normality yeah. is remembering our circles of control. It's a new normal is not necessarily something you're going to reverse on your own. It's almost impossible think, to and, reverse. And, and another thing on the Isle of Man, Archie, just mm. to interject there, is that thing of like you've got the one of the problems like locally to me is like the cozy nook, and it's that idea of you know wanting to preserve what we've got, mm. um, and the same with a lot of things. But you know that there's a reluctancy. For the change, and that's that's another problem on the Isle of Man, is that um, why the creeping normality doesn't always happen because things just don't happen because they get blocked. And well, no, that's the reason why it, it, yeah. it actually more more changes than we realise because yeah. because it goes so slowly. We've almost gone at a really we're very 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 slow pace of creeping normality, yeah. where even in our lifetime it's not changed overly much where we would recognise, but it's still changed quite a bit yeah uh i, th- I think for example row the row quality at the moment is absolutely shocking but we don't really notice till it goes no. too late and there's potholes everywhere and then you get um, a lovely new road exactly. and you're like oh this yeah. yeah this is wonderful and there it goes in about four months but yes we've got to remember almost our circles of control because we can't individually obviously change everything ourselves so we have to remember what we can Aren't control you, you can change the world oh yes i can <laughs> that's what they tell us but they lie uh, we can we can we can but it uh. takes a long time but anyway we've got to almost observe history we've got to remember mm. what 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 really happened five ten years ago and keep on don't forget where you were before mm. and i think that's always what i'm going to start doing i'm going to start noting down a lot of things in a diary. I'm going to start taking a diary. So eventually when I am uh, pop the clogs in uh, about 500 years, because I li- obviously live 500 years, of course. they can then be published. But I think it's very important to remember almost where we've come from. Then also, this is a bit cynical of me, but almost accept, accept the worst, accept that um, history will change with these. And then ask ourselves almost, uh, if it is as bad as we can expect, we can at least prepare for it. And then we can look at ways of almost combating it. And we've almost... It will be everywhere. We can't really get rid of creepy normality. I think it's my end conclusion. Yeah, I, got a bit I think it's just, it's just mm. a part of life, isn't it? It's just something we have to accept. But I think it will eventually... Eventually will... When it reaches too much, the, if we reach yeah, the one a thing I don't global like about authoritarian it. Uh, yeah, regime, one, yeah. we'll eventually think, this is too much. We've got to combat it. And it's almost... Yeah. We will only be able to act when it's too late. And that's yeah. the unfortunate... Unfortunate condition of the uh, unfortunate predicament of the human condition. Yeah, that's one thing I'm not a big fan of with this sort of creeping uh, normality thing is the idea of oh well we'll just do this to keep you know, and we'll just keep you know instead of I, I like I like gradual change, but 
I don't like it done in a sneakily way. You know what I mean? Oh, we'll just keep doing this. So, you know. But it always is. There's, yeah. a, there's always, oh, I, yeah. I believe there's always, a, there's always an ulterior motive for anything. Mm. Anything happens, even if it's a conscious or subconscious motive. Yeah. We always have this belief that's the end goal in our, our mind wants us to do. And we work around ways to try and achieve that. And it's, I say there's another example. I'll come on to taxation in, in half a moment. But climate change is another another part where we see here we it goes. slowly uh, here we go again but it slowly creeps on in with us suddenly it was uh, 0.5 degrees then 0.6 and 0.7 and 0.8 and 0.9 and suddenly we reach two degrees of warming mm. where it's irreversible damage caused and we can't really act till we reach that two degrees of warming and we suddenly see all of these natural disasters we see all these events yeah well, and like we, a lot of we've acted moment, too late because yeah. we've not noticed and like a lot of things it's like i kept seeing in the news sort of when we had the the, the sort of it wasn't even branded as a heat wave that's the mm. funny thing we go you know the newspapers love to go oh heat wave incoming and all this no one was even calling it a heat wave the other week were they like i didn't hear any mention in the press well we we have made it's almost over time yeah we're convinced almost for more and more alarmism in the press and it's become more normal to see yeah. every story is trying to they, attract a reader every story is yeah. trying to have a shock factor yeah and i think per- personally I'm sh- we'll do another i'm sure there's plenty of episodes here i think that 24 hour news has almost is damaged i think our news cycle because there always has to be a story they've got to create a story that grabs our attention yeah you can't have a quiet news day your news has to be published 24-7. And before, yes, it wasn't so good. Still, with your paper every every day, you had to have a good story on yeah. the front page. But it was less so than now. It's almost we sped up this alarmism in our media or our very shock factor in our media because mm. we just need it. And every shock factor, you but need a bigger shock thought... factor and a bigger shock factor to keep on getting that same impact. But I suppose the way with sort of, um, you know, the, the, the printing press has mm. to do that and... Uh, to especially keep bringing the readers back because the way that, uh, you know, the decline in readership is falling. But they've moved online, um, generally. Yeah, no, mm. yeah, but, um, yeah, I suppose online as well, you've got um, you've got that input from, from other people as well, you know, with the idea of uh, citizens journalism. So people all over the news are reporting here, there, and everywhere, um, onto onto issues, and you know, like you've put down, sort of like Twitter, uh, and how uh, Twitter. If I want to know the latest on, like for example, for example, on the the resignation of Boris Johnson, like you could see the journalists tweeting. I think. Like, I think. I think. It, yeah. I personally think it's it's damaging because yeah. we almost. You can't do something so quickly. Things need time to really um, bear fruit. They need time to propagate, and then you know what's happening. They well, like we were knowing every single instant move, kind of. But when we? the thing is, it's it's putting it out to people who it, we 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 can't necessarily. We're not politics analysts of that particular thing. No. Things need time really to understand what's happening yeah and that's and the problem with the political and then yeah. and, but then but then also people we become almost as people we become too uh we jump on everything we think oh yeah. no boris johnson resigned oh no he's doing this oh he's doing this and we become judgmental i think that's something which is again with creeping more matters become more normal yeah and, I and think... we've now become the judge during execution before it even goes 
for example, in jury trials, before it even goes to trial, or before it even goes to a hearing yeah, but, in Parliament. But for us, I mean, politics is absolutely fantastic mm. at the moment for, for people like us who want to know every single detail and, and have everything raw to us. But for the for the greater public who won't always have the greatest understanding of what entirely is going on, they're getting things so, um, t- you know, uh, to the to the point blank kind of thing. Well, of, I, I would disagree with you there. You would Mainly because I, I, I don't think it's good to necessarily make a distinction between us and the general pop, uh, populace. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. But, but I think it's it's more, I think with anything, I think it's almost, it's gone too raw. It's gone, yeah. uh, and lost, it lost, it's almost mystery. There's things in politics which unfortunately will always look dirty on the outside. If you're not in politics, they'll always look like you shouldn't have done that. But they actually produce results and mm. they produce results that are good and some things some things have to be done which are hard and you only can see the benefits when the result comes through and they may look that you can't see the result from the from the basis of it so from the premises you can't see the conclusion but the conclusion will be good and it almost it does erode i think trust in our public office because we're judging them on the immediate policy rather than the impacts rather yeah. than the implications of the policy so we say that uh, a policy for example like lockdown that won't be good because we have all the raw but information this is, but this where is the actually thing, the like, raw information never paints a good picture we need to look at what's happening mm, elsewhere but this is another thing we shouldn't judge our politics the, the, on everything they do the, uh, what i should have really gone back and saying earlier on my point mm. earlier is that the politicians are feeding us with too much information and it I think it's the media, not, yeah, not the politicians. Yeah. Well, it's a mix of both, I have to say. Um, rather than, you know, actually getting things into Parliament, they release things too early into the to the mainstream media and, you know, to people like us. And there's too much... Before even things have even happened, there's like... But you, they have to. They, yeah. they, the reason is that I think they have to now because if they and don't... And the general public... They don't know the response. Yeah. They want to know what the response will be mm. electorally before the policy goes into play. But this is the problem with the, and this is the, and this is the problem with the Conservative mm. government at the moment. It's well, because how many things have they had to overturn because the public have not liked it? And this just shows that the policies that they're coming up with are just not fit no, no, for this. No, 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 no. I, I, I would, again, take, it, take issue with that. Because I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's a problem with the Conservative government, nor the policies they put in. Because the policies are being judged before they've had time to actually come to fruition, where we can judge them on their merits. We're judging something where we can't predict what will happen. For example, yeah, the Rwanda know, policy, we, know the outcome. we can't predict... Yes, but we know the outcome know of the some outcome. other things, like... Um, let me think of... Uh, trying to think of an example here... Um, like the conversion conversion therapy thing, you know. Uh, but it was, I think, it was far played up by the media, uh, and and I I think again it's come come down to alarmism, where again it's not really been enacted. I think the U term was right in this case, but I think the whole, the whole policy again we we decide before the policies even come into play where we can analyze the impacts of the policy, and I think yes, it may certain but policies, you, but certain policies may be bad, thing? certain policies may be bad. Unfortunately, they're necessary in the modern political climate. But certain policies may look bad to start, and certain policies may have bad impacts. But I don't think we should judge a policy. We should let it play out, mm. and then judge the policy, and judge whether it was a good idea, was the person of a sound mind doing it. Mm. And then we have more of a case, I think, to vote them out. But voting them out on hypothetical policy, which is cancelled before it's implemented, I think is, again, 
a dangerous part where we've become we've we've become normalized that we cancel policy before it even gets properly implemented and one week we're one policy the next with a we're with the total opposite and i think it's dangerous almost for our political system hmm. yeah um fair enough but I would like to come on to taxation to tie us okay. back into creeping normality. Uh, because taxation, almost, it is as old as civilization itself. It's always been there. It's always been in the back of our minds. We pay currently a lot of tax, uh, even on our products. We've, everything we buy, even this pencil here, I pay 20% on. I pay 20% VAT. And I personally think, for one, that's quite ridiculous. But if you look at the turn of the century, we've just become so accustomed to having quite high taxation that your highest band of tax in the UK is 45% or 50%. It's, to me, it's utterly, it's maddening. On Ireland, obviously, we have a tax cap of about 160,000 to 80,000 of tax you can pay, and the highest band is 20%. And that's, I think, it's more reasonable. But you look even to the beginning of the century, uh, in the UK at the beginning of the century, it was 9% for income tax. Mm. Uh, and now the highest rate is 45%. used to be 9% and now it's 45%. But it's done in such a way that it slowly increments that we don't notice it's happening. Mm. Oh, it's just another percent. Oh, it goes from well, 9% to 10%. Well, then 10% to 11%. Well, how many... How many um, it's not that much difference, but it all lands up. How many tax rises have the... Um conservative government done in recent in the past year what was it like 15 or something well it, there's a lot of taxes yeah and some of them again labor probably would have done more oh yeah we we, we, we face we, we face a very it's, it's almost a mind-setting government needs to i think readdress the taxation system as kemi i think was calling for mm. we need to simplify yeah our taxation system well, that's what they're hoping because, to do on the isle of man aren't they because, the because they're, so, they're so confusing that we play so many different taxes and so many different things where they could actually be consolidated. But I think our t the tax burden on the general populace uh, has just been ridiculously high. And it ended, actually, with the First World War. These are why these events like the wars, like COVID, are so important because they actually set it's the pace. It's a reset. It's, it's a reset, it's, isn't it? They set, the, they set the rate for the future policy mm. because never since the First World War, we've then national debt has spiked. Mm. We've then always had to repay our debts. We have to manage obviously the fiscal we have to fiscal responsibility mm. as the politicians love to talk about and we have to make sure we maintain that and i think it this is again an example where i personally believe it's creeping normality is damaging because we've forgotten that actually having to pay such high rates of tax has not always been there it's not always been almost a corner piece of our society but can things it's always a stay new the, example. But Archie, can things always stay the way they are obviously not but I think it's we've forgotten that we can function actually without a nanny state there. Mm. We can function without such a high rate of taxation. And we, we've gone to forget that. We've forgotten what we can actually achieve. And now if you suggest that the state should be smaller, you'll say, but how could we possibly cope? How on earth could we do X, Y, Z? How on earth would we not fall into disrepair when we actually realise you look back 200 years and the state was much, much smaller than it was now? And I well, in some ways it was smaller. Others, so obviously, we had an empire, and uh, Britain had an empire to control and manage. But I think we've almost let it run away. We've let it all run away with this gradually moving towards a larger state. And I think again, COVID looks to almost re-implement this because of the example, the cost of living crisis. The government maybe wants to, Labour might call, for example, for the nationalisation of our energy companies, the nationalisation of our railways, oh, yeah. the nationalisation of this and that. 
And then it all becomes under government control. What would happen if an authoritarian party came in and decided, oh, well, I think this area, they're being too disruptive. I'll just cut the power to them mm. because it's a state-owned company. We may risk, again, like this is alarmism, call it alarmism. Do, obviously, it's an extrapolated example, but the likes of China go on to do this. We see the likes of their COVID passes, which we were talking about earlier. And some citizens who, for example, went to a protest about a, a bank uh, not letting them access their accounts or something like that, then found suddenly they were close contacts and were forced into isolation and cut off. And then you can't go out of isolation until your little app on your phone says you can. And the state controls that. Mm. And again, yes, the main, the large state claims this was a local government, local committee issue where it was bad and it shouldn't have happened and it was corruption. That's what the large state said, but it could just be playing the waters and almost saying, well, we'll just play the waters here. Okay, it worked. Let's blame it on the small state. We don't know what happened. And that, I think, is slightly worrying. I'm not sure what you think on tax and where it should sit or if it has indeed gone too far under the creeping normality of our well perhaps lives. that's for a for a future a future podcast because we do we do we do use up time here yes but but i but i do have one more i do have one more oh, there's one go. more one more point on this go on go before on. we move on to some uh, a thought problem then tory leadership oh yes. obviously that's our last 10 minute seg- segment but the overton window shift uh which is almost it links into what i have in a thought problem later oh. But the Overton window, have you come across the Overton window? We might have to do, I think we, to, we might have to just do an sideline it onto a whole, do, do, yeah. a whole episode of the Overton window. But basically, the Overton window is the range of politically acceptable ah, ideas. Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where they're, they're range in almost the six classifications of them. I can't remember. Oh, yes. From head. radical to, yeah, so yeah. I, I did have a quick look and at that. And it yeah. slowly, I think, shifted left. If you look on Twitter, there's many uh, memes about it. Um, an example, I think, could be found in where Trump enforced almost a shift. Uh, And this is almost in a better way, but also a bad way. Uh, He's forced news networks, for example, to grapple with conspiracy theories, right-wing trolls, dishonest government spokesperson, and almost made them a regular fiction. Could I just just quickly list how the the spectrum of it goes? So it goes from unthinkable to radical to acceptable to sensible to popular to policy to popular, to sensible, to acceptable, to radical, to unthinkable. That's on the left to the right. Kind yes. Of, yeah. But it's almost, it's moved very left. So even what were classical right-wing ideas mm. are now deemed as utterly ridiculous. Yeah. And we've almost, we, we now herald, I think this will be a place for another episode uh, on the Overton window. Um because it's such a fascinating thing, but it's, it's almost creeping normality links in, and that's the link which I think we should discuss now, is the link where we almost lose tolerance in society, if it was ever there, and we've become almost slaves to the, the shift, and now suddenly ideas like lower taxation are heralded as classist, or the, the simple idea that people should take home more of their money is deemed as being a capitalist pig or being far too bourgeois, part of the bourgeoisie. So these almost classical ideas of the right are being eroded in favour of it moving further left. And I think I, I shall leave that. It, it is a whole, it's a meaty topic within itself, uh, says the vegetarian. So I think <laughs> it, 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 will, it will form an uh, uh, example of another episode. But we even have Creeping Normality on the Political podcast. Well, yeah. do you know, I, 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 for example, I don't remember the old music, but I could play uh, the the old music. We had, for example, if you remember, actually correctly, I'm trying to find my the mouse here. 
there we are. This is a music which used to play. <clears throat> this is old music, but we, we don't remember it because things change. And yep. we forget the past. And that's almost what's damaging. That would be almost a wonderful place to end the episode. But we have plenty more to get on with. Or we look at, uh, for example... We're looking, for example, the really, really old music, which is here. Classical jazz samba. And we forget these things. And that's just an example, even within our own political podcast, how things have changed and they've crept over time. We were originally not even at Manx Radio. And that was obviously in Oliver's day, because Oliver as we stated, has always been here since the start. We're rewriting history. So I think we'd end in a question. Lots of me talking here. We end in a question. Uh, Creeping normality. Do you think it's a problem? Um, Oliver should have been pondering this since yesterday when I put this on the agenda. No, I have looked. Mm. I have looked. Don't don't you worry about that. (laughs) (laughs) Do Do I believe it is a problem? No, I just think it's really uh, it 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 happens really, doesn't it? Um, it's just one of those things that we're we're always going to see change, and you know, we we can't we can't really control that, can we? To be fair, um, mm. so yeah, I think it's I don't think it's. Um, but it ne- if you can't control something, it doesn't necessarily mean it's good. No, we can't control. For, well, actually, we can control. Climate change is a bad example. There, I'm not. I'm not going <laughs> to. Well, I could suddenly now profess that I believe climate change is a natural occurrence. But, for example, we can't stop this pencil falling if I drop it. No. But it doesn't actually make it a good action because it will break the graphite yeah. inside it. So, yeah, I, I personally think, for one, that it's it's not always a problem. So I would I would sympathise with the point of view. It's not yeah. always a problem. In an emergency, sometimes it's useful. Or if we're trying to achieve large-scale change, such as reversing creeping normality, you have to use creeping normality... So as the antidote to creeping normality, it's almost a catch-22, it's quite ironic. Yeah. To undo creeping normality, you need to make it so unnoticeable that you're undoing it, that it ends up being creeping normality itself. It's almost the reverse of creeping normality, like the diverse of multiplication is division. The reverse of creeping normality is creeping normality. So I think I'll, I'll summarise uh, creeping normality. That's the process by which initially unacceptable major changes to our lives can become acceptable by a gradual change and incremental in- introduction. And again, I think another term for this is gradualism, which I think is probably more more uh, known about. Uh, modern today's examples can be seen as, which we didn't get onto, our exchange of privacy for convenience, our transition also to a cashless society, uh, the incremental escalation of COVID uh, measures. And again, modern technologies can also accelerate these or slow and reverse the progress especially generational experience because for example we can remember a time i'm not sure if you can before mobile phones before social media became such a large part of our minds if we think back further enough so it's almost to manage manage creeping normality we should avoid catastrophizing whilst keeping our eye on changes that will alter our life for the worse so creeping normality is not always a pay for the worse but it can if done in the wrong sense be a pain for the pay for the worse and that's what we need to keep an eye on Indeed. Indeed. So, without further ado... Um, we move on to my thought problem. Uh, because I decided I'd put a thought problem in today's podcast. Just for Oliver. Uh, and I'm sure he'll enjoy... This is about freedom of speech. So think, does this constitute freedom of speech, Oliver? I'll come 
separate answer after I finished my rambling on. Uh, too much of me speaking. Imagine an announcement on the official state news. Comrades, our People's Republic is a triumphant beacon of freedom in the world, in which the workers have been liberated from their slavery. In order to defeat the bourgeois foe, it has been necessary up until now to outlaw talk, which may stir up dissent and reverse our triumphant revolution. It has never been our intention to limit speech forever, and recently more and more people have been asking whether the time will soon be right to make the next great leap forward. Comrades, our dear leader has decreed that it is now indeed the time. The bourgeoisie have been defeated and humbled, and now our dear leader offers us the gift of free speech. From Monday, if anyone wishes to say anything at all, even wicked lies critical of the People's Republic, he or she may do so by simply visiting one of the new free speech booths being erected around the country. You may enter these soundproof constructions one at a time, and say whatever you wish. No more can people complain that there is no free speech. Sedacious lies uttered outside the booths will continue to be punished in the usual ways. Long live the revolution and our beloved leader. It's taken from Free Speech by Alan Hayworth. Uh, Hall, uh, no, Haworth. Uh, Haworth. Uh, Rutledge, <laughs> 1998. Excellent. I don't... I... I... I don't believe that's free speech, no. Why not? Well, you know, free speech is, you know, uh, being able to communicate to other people. And if you're not, if no one's there whilst you're being, you know, you're, citing, you're citing what you want. You're free to speak. Oh, yes. But um, what does freedom of speech do you include then? You can say what you want to people. Is there any restriction on it? Well, of course, if, you know, uh, if it's if it's a uh, hate speech, then that will not be acceptable. But um, that's where the limits lie. But but who defines hate speech? To this for in this example, as the People's Republic criticizing their sedacious leader could be seen as hate speech against their leader, so it would be rightly banned. Mm. Does that still constitute free speech? And again, it's, it's more in the form of a booth. If you walk into a booth and can say whatever you like. Surely that does, in a way, constitute a form of freedom of speech. Yes, it does in some way, but then it's limited by going outside of that booth and not being able to say what you want to say. But should you always be able to say what you want to say? Uh, I think, yeah, for the most part. So if you're in a theatre, loads of people, and you just shout, fire, 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 or you walk well, out to a stranger on the street and accuse them of horrific, horrendous war crimes, do you think that's... It should be acceptable. Well, I mean, if you go into a theatre and shout fire, 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 I mean, go ahead. But, uh, you know, not many people do. <laughs> but but what uh, do you think should happen to that person? Well, I think they'll get a lot of weird looks from around the theatre, but I don't think necessarily anything would happen. I think... Uh, no, but... The, uh, but or you, or you, 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 you love to, you but, love but, to but, reference but, that but, fire. But they believe there's a fire. And they all try to rush for the exit. I've heard this. You yes. use this reference. It's a no, favourite it, reference of yeah, yours. Yeah, but but it? let's say that happens. Would you say that person anything should happen to them? Well, they've uh, they've caused a false alarm. <laughs> um, well, I suppose I, I'm not entirely sure, really, to be honest, Archie. Um, but I do, um, I do believe there's a limit, you know, on, on what people can say. But obviously, you know. 
something that's sort of socially acceptable. Not many people do say so you say that these so circumstances. Don't but happen but in very the often. society, in the free speech booth, mm. you're being well in society here, which we're mentioning. You're prosecuted for saying anything not socially acceptable because the state's decided what's socially acceptable. Yeah. Is, I says, well, 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 I'm trying to come to the crux of well, it's is that very, booth, it, it's why, very what, confusing. What, why this. is that booth not freedom of speech? Well, because you're not being able to put your view across to other people. So to have freedom of speech, you must be able to put it across to other people. Um, You must be able to express it to other people, whether they want to listen to it or not. Interesting. Interesting. Well, um, what's the point of going into a booth, Archie? And I can say what I want when I'm by myself, wherever I am. But being able to say it in front of other people, that's the whole point of well, freedom I, of speech, I, I, isn't I agree it? with you. It is a bit like a computer that only can do Google searches <laughs> and say it connects to the internet. It, it is yeah. a bit like that. I do have to say that. But um, almost the, the notion of it is... It does allow people to say what they want, yeah. I don't but, 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 that, but, but as soon as you start to limit, let's say, freedom of speech in the regards that you can't say things, maybe like hate speech, mm. where it, it, it's down to a slope in my idea where you eventually will come to the free speech booth. And in my mind, that free speech booth has just as much free speech as starting to limit what people can say mm. because they can say it in their vicinity of their own home. Although under Nicola Sturgeon's rule, they don't <laughs> even have the free speech booth. It doesn't exist. Yeah. It doesn't matter where they are. They can be prosecuted <laughs> for hate speech. Um, but uh. it comes down to what a workable notion of free speech is. And Voltaire said... Uh, we must defend to the death the mm. rights of the people to say what we may strongly disagree with. Yeah, uh, that's what he suggested, and I think that I, that's a comment I would agree with. I think true speech again, yes, doesn't necessarily come to causing people to run in panic, left, right, and centre, but it doesn't include limiting any form of speech. I think that then comes dangerous, and it's a very slippery line of where do we come to the booths of the People's Republic uh, being free speech compared to our own society. And I would suggest maybe we don't have free speech in our own society already, uh, as I'm sure it will make way for mm. another wonderful podcast episode because we could rattle on for hours, I'm sure, about freedom of speech. Certainly. But I will use the same slide... No, no, not that one. Same slide in here. Uh, to give, I think, some recommendations whilst we still have the time, and then we'll finish up with the Tory party. Oh yes, yeah. at the end. But yes, I do have, a, I do actually have a recommendation for a book for you. It's not my usual uh, recommendation, not a politics book, uh, although you can apply it to cultural politics in theory. It is the inner. I won't show. I won't show oh. the cover because it has, oh. as Oliver can see. Oh, yes. yes, uh, yes. But it's The Ooh, Innocent Anthropologist gosh. by Nigel Barley and Notes from a Mud Hut. It's very wonderful. I think you can pick up a relatively good priced one on eBay or Amazon or something like that. Um, but it was published in 1991, 90, uh, I think. 81, sorry. 1981. But it's about his uh, fieldwork with the Duego tribe. I won't spoil it for you, but it's, it's a, a rollicking good read, basically. Very, very good. Uh, and I would actually, I do actually something to suggest for you to watch for a change. Oh, goodness me. It's on Netflix at the moment, if you're in the UK, or the Isle of Man, or it might be wherever you are. Mm. It's an Australian political drama. Wow. Called Secret City. I watched it, binged watch it on, a, on the boat, basically. 
On the boat, aren't you very responsible? Yes. Not flying. No, no, very responsible, obviously. Uh, was it the Bananan? No, it was the Ben McCree. Oh, it's wow. a good four hours in yeah. reading, watching this, and it was very good. And I, I, I continued watching. Was I it a pleasant it. crossing? It was, yes. But I do do recommend Secret City. It's very good. And then, if you want a bit of music, I'm going to recommend uh, La Forza del Destino by mm-hmm. uh, Verdi, Italian. Very, 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 very good opera. Excellent. Am I okay to do my little yes, yes. So, uh, in terms of watching, if you're looking for something a bit more light-hearted. Uh, you can go for the... I saw it, actually, when I was across a few weeks ago on the big billboard, and a few of my friends have mentioned, oh, I want to watch that. Anyway, uh, Man vs. B on Netflix, uh, quite funny, with, obviously, starring Rowan Atkinson, whom some of you may be familiar with as being in uh, Blackadder and Johnny English, and, of course, the title role of Mr. Bean in Mr. Bean. Uh, he plays the man in Man vs. B., and then listening wise, um, I often catch the uh, the rest is politics podcast. I think it's like the top podcast in the U- in the UK uh, after after Felicity Avil, of course. Archie's mic went up and then come down as I had to get that in. And of course, I just like to say big up Ali Campbell. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to I'm just going to stay silent there. Uh, but in the meantime, what we bring you is direct from the Conservative Party. With a little stint there. Oliver doesn't get a mic. So I couldn't resist a little bit of Elgar there. It's a land of hope and glory for the Tory party special feature. I think this is actually the circumpompous march uh, which precedes it. Uh, So I shall skip to the... That's more like it. So yes, we're here to discuss the Tory party and the, uh, I think we're, we're running close to time here, but, but the Conservative Party leadership election, which is currently ongoing, where we'll find out the new UK Prime Minister on the 5th of September. Only I think one of us here gets a vote, and that's me. I'm part of the 100,000 100, so Conservative Party members who get a vote. I've actually got hustings later today. I've sorry, left Oliver's mic off there. I didn't yes, want to yes. interrupt the glorious Elgar that's playing in the background. Um, but yes, it's a jolly good stint we've been off so far, and now we're going to have a new government rather soon. So, Impressive. what are your initial thoughts, Oliver? Well, I think it's disgust. It's a disgrace that we there we are. Two-thirds <laughs> of our cheese. <laughs> yes, uh, we import. We make more varieties of cheese than the French, yet yeah. we import two-thirds of our cheese. And that is a disgrace. You forgot to leave the five-minute pause. Yes. Yes. She loves a good or, pause. And in October, I'll be opening up new pork, pork markets in, in Beijing. Beijing. <laughs> yes, oh. she looked very much like Wallace and, uh, Wallace and Gromit-esque Gromit, yeah. on the uh, um, there, yeah, yes. not yeah. I don't know. I I I wouldn't. I'd probably be sort of on 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 Rishi's side for this, but the way Rishi's sort of uh, you know, 
was with Johnson, and uh, you know, and Truss t- wasn't. Uh, Truss yeah, is no, still no, remaining no, no, loyal no, to Johnson. No, no, no. Yes. She, yeah, she's remaining loyal to Johnson, and um, you know, the fact that uh, Rishi also got a fixed penalty notice. You know, it obviously, what the parties and everything happened under Johnson's watch under his house. You know, uh, we don't. Well, you know, will we ever really know what went on there? Who knows? But obviously, Rishi's sort of living next door and whatever. You know, I just think the guy. You know, he can he he talks the talk, but can he walk the walk? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, it's it'll be a difficult one. It'll be interesting to see how it pans out. But I'd like Rishi. If he wasn't so fishy, but would you prefer Rishi over Truss? That's more, uh, more yes. the question. Yes, yeah. I think that's again. It comes to the very key question in politics at the moment: who is the best out of the options? It's not who, who's really good. Who's going to, who's going to keep get? Who's going who's to keep going to the Tory party in power? And I think that and that's that, 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 I, 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 again, I can't. I'm not been publicly declare my decision. You can probably guess though. I think Truss is. She's not. She doesn't level charisma to sell her policy. Her policy on its own isn't so bad apart yeah. from the 30 billion pounds of unfunded tax cuts where we're not really preaching hey, fiscal responsibility can, in the foreign office she delivered archie you know yes but i i, I, I think the part i don't get is when it comes to the big issues the poll the poll was i have i, I issue with currently i don't They're know how, i don't know how accurate, accurate i, I don't nah. know how accurate they are because i i watched the debates and i'm thinking how on earth do people think that Liz Truss is outperforming Rishi Sunak? People because do, she doesn't know like her to, brief. People like to lie on these yeah, polls. But, but, like but she doesn't throw, know her brief. Yeah. You look at Sunak, and yes, again, it, ha- it depends who is the Johnson vote. I like Sunak's direct address in these debates. He has good he's direct address. He he's very good with charisma. He's very good with the public face. And he can sell his policy. And he knows Apart his brief. From, he cannot he knows pay. His brief. He cannot, one, he struggles to top up his car when he does top up his car. And contactless payments he's awful at, i know. struggle with contactless payments yeah they are they are it's like where do i put my phone card yeah but yeah, you can yeah uh but it, i think he's a much better front man if again it, it's, it's a very difficult decision between the two the only part which liz trust really has banking on her is the support of the johnson loyalists because she's remained loyal for johnson has not mm. air quotes stabbed him in the back i mean the fact that um who, who who's supporting uh liz trust uh, what Nadine Dorries and uh, Moggy, yeah, Nadine Doris, su- mm, yeah, yes. Ugh. Mm. Apparently, she wrote some interesting literature. I saw that on Twitter <laughs> the other day. Well, she's got dyslexia, I think. No, but she no, she wrote some. She wrote two books. Oh, really? And they have some quite scenes which I don't know. Is they're sent to me, and I thought I do not. I, you can't unsee them effectively. Uh, I recommend Oliver. You you look up Nadine Doris on Twitter with her books later. Yeah, don't recommend it at all. Don't look um, it up. She said something um, about she mildly terrifying in an interview or something. She whatever, and then she blamed it on her dyslexia, I think, or something like that. Oh, maybe those things you can forget. I I just yeah. I just don't. I her politics. I think she's the, the, the personality. I have slight annoyances with. But who would you put your money on? That's our last question because obviously we do betting here on Political Babble. Uh, uh, I think it's quite clear then. Probably Rishi Sunak of winning. No, not who would you prefer? Who's the money? Uh, who's going to win? Mm. Rishi Sunak. I think. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, well, actually, I might say Truss. Mm. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to turn turn over on that Truss. Why? I I you, uh, I think it's a very difficult it's one. It's tight. It'll be close. It's very tight. I'll see how they perform in the hustings, and then you know, then I'll make my mind up who to vote for. I can vote mm. from the second of August or first of August, one of the two. 
yeah, so that I think probably wraps up our rather lengthy yeah. considering the time we've been. We yeah. spent lots of time on creeping normality. It's almost it gets longer and longer and we just And you've forgotten that we even talked about creeping normality. Did we start? When did we start? We've always been here. I think uh, on that note, we end uh, this week's episode of the Politibabble podcast with the music we've always used, haven't we? Yes. Well, yes, that concludes another wonderful episode of this Pillars Babble podcast. I'm Archibald Elliott, and I've been joined by my co-host who's been there since the start, Oliver Sykes. And you can watch back past episodes of the Pillars Babble podcast from the prior six seasons on manxradio.com forward slash podcasts forward slash politibabble that is manxradio.com forward slash podcasts forward slash politibabble if you do want to go and engage on a political debate with us do go and get in touch on our on our social media i'm sure you'll be able to find oliver and our my handle and if you can't well your detective skills aren't quite up to scratch and as usual if you do want to come on for a program do let us know do get in touch and we'll go and put you through the vetting process that takes many 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 months to complete you've been politibabbled